Entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. It's been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers have got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Spillane with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. now in glad to have you with us here on this wednesday we're still wednesday right okay thank you very much for that there it is wild woolly wednesday it is you know sometimes we get our days of the week confused a little bit all right pack show today coming your way we're going to talk a little nfl football of course we get ready for the weekend afc nfc championship game can hardly wait for that we're going to talk to our good friend across the pond, Paul Buckpower Stewart, and uh, we'll see if he is still in mourning with his uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We hear from one TJ Reeves on Monday, Paul Buckpower Stewart today. I can guarantee you that one of them takes losing a little bit uh, better than the other. Which one do you think that is, huh? All right, uh, we'll dive into that today. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, will join us. We talk a little NBA, a little college basketball as well, too, uh, with the seven-footer. And uh, RVD in the house today. He's going to be swinging on by Rob Van Dam, of course, the WWE Hall of Famer. And uh, we'll be uh, reminiscing, having some old NWC Las Vegas uh, memories and stories like we uh, usually do. But uh, a couple other guests uh, join us next hour as well, too, as we uh, rehash and have a little NWC reunion in hour number two. So looking forward to that today as well. So a lot to do, a lot to cover here uh, on the program. So let's uh, start talking a little bit about the Raiders. Uh, still all quiet uh, here in Las Vegas on the Raiders front. The uh, Mark Davis is interviewing uh, Gerard Mayo. Actually interviewed him yesterday. Uh, Mayo, the former uh, linebacker with the Patriots, been a linebacker's coach with the Patriots this past season. A hot commodity, a hot candidate right now. Uh, in the coaching ranks. Uh, and uh, so Mark Davis interviewed uh, Gerard Mayo yesterday. We'll see if anything comes uh, of that. And, um, you know, with, you know, signing day coming here pretty soon as well, too, for college football, very interesting to see what happens with Jim Harbaugh. And Harbaugh, we know, has a contract in front of him from the University of Michigan. It's a new contract, a new extension. And uh, so ho- hopefully... Uh, we will we will get some word on that, but uh, Harbaugh is laying low right now, basically looking at all offers or taking a look at all offers. So we will uh, continue to monitor that to see what Mark Davis wants to do, what is happening um, on the coaching front as well as the GM front as well too. We know he's interviewed three general manager candidates uh, thus far. So again, looking at GMs, looking at coaches here at the same time, but all quiet as of now, but I... I would imagine that the Raiders will probably make a move on the GM front here, I would say, sooner than later. Would not surprise me if we have 
uh, a press conference scheduled. We have an announcement scheduled here in the next few days with that. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that. And everything else kind of quiet in the NFL. Uh, the news that we talked about yesterday was Sean Payton has decided to leave the New Orleans Saints after 16 seasons. And uh, Sean Payton just kind of feeling a little burnout. Or is it that Sean Payton uh, just wants a change of scenery? But you got to remember, this guy still has, you know, three years left on, on a contract. So if uh, Sean Payton is going to want to coach elsewhere, that's going to mean that uh, a trade is going to have to be worked out for Sean Payton. Usually don't see trades for head coaches. It, it has happened before. Heck, we saw it with John Gruden, right? Way back when. You know, with uh, with Tampa Bay, so we'll keep an eye, uh, you know, on that. And see what transpires with that. All right, let's talk a little NFL football. Let's talk about the playoffs. We go across the pond to our very good friend Paul Buckpower Stewart. Uh, he mans the uh, website that he has for going on twenty plus years or so at uh, Buckpower dot com, chronicling the the everything that goes on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from afar. Buck Power, what's going on, my man? Uh, when do pitches and catches report, TC? <laughs> Actually, about uh, two and a half weeks. But as we discussed <laughs> yesterday uh, with our good friend Steve Sachs, he's thinking that we are going to have spring training on time. Uh, we are not going to miss any spring training games, therefore not miss any uh, regular season Major League Baseball games. But uh, I'm uh, the jury is still out on that, my friend. Still out on that. So, but uh, right now, all quiet on the Major League Baseball front, even though we do understand they are making progress, the two sides between the owners and the uh, players' union. Excellent, because as far as I'm concerned, the NFL season's finished, hasn't it? (laughs) Bug power, I got to ask you how you were (laughs) feeling last Sunday as you're watching the, the Buccaneers and the Rams. First of all, I want you to paint the scene for us here as you're watching the game there in England. Tell us how you prep for that. Because again, that was a it was a late night for you, you know, once again, right? I guess it wasn't really too late, but uh, prep the scene for us, okay? Uh, did you have some food? Did you have some beverage out? Did you clear out the neighborhood? Uh, what was it like? Did you did you have the the stereophonic sound pumping through the speakers? Well, it wasn't too bad a night for me. It was an eight o'clock UK time start because it was, uh, I think, um, three o'clock Eastern time, which I was quite happy about. I was very happy we were the late game. So, of course, as, as you know, we talked about before, American football for me is an evening event. I've had the rest of the day to myself, so I've played golf, I've done stuff around the house. Then I sit down to watch the game. I've had the pre-game show on for two hours, listening to the interminable predictions by all the talking heads. And then it's time for football. And although the game started at 3 o'clock Eastern time, the Buccaneers didn't turn up until about 5.30. <laughs> yeah, right. And by that time, they were 27-3 down. And that's the thing. you know. It seems like you, you take the losses Okay, and we know you're a fan, but again, you're an astute media member as well. And I always have to tell our friend TJ Reeves that he has to quit being a Buccaneers apologist and he has to quit hyping them up and thinking that that they're going to win each and every game because, Paul, I had to, to reel him in going back the day before and he was telling me, oh, Bucks win, Bucks win. I go, wait a minute, the, the Bucks aren't winning. 
I go, this is not your year. I hate to break the news to you, but I go, this is a bad matchup for the Buccaneers and the Rams. And you were probably like TJ, I'm guessing, thinking that the Bucs were, were going to win. They were a slight favor in this game, but there was no talking this guy out that you know that the that they could actually lose this game. I mean, he was going like back and forth with me, like really, like you know, saying, hey, "Well, if you want to lose your money on the Rams, go ahead." I'm going. Who am I talking to here? I see you as a much more level-headed Bucks fan slash media member, Paul Buck Power Stewart. Well, I'm, I'm a bit older than T, TJ, but I'm definitely better looking than him. And I think it's a case <laughs> of that it's the experience. Now, I used to be as passionate and devoted as any fan. And, you know, people drive around Vegas, they've got their teams, they live and die with them. But I think it was a case that once I'd seen them win a Super Bowl, and it's the anniversary today of the Bucks beating the Raiders in San Diego, and I was there, it was almost a case that I felt, well, if we don't, if we lose a game, and I say we as the Bucks fan, if we lose a game, well, it doesn't matter because I've seen them win a Super Bowl. And I think once you've been to the top of the mountain, you can only be really disappointed. It's never going to be the same to go back there again. So I've become more realistic over the years. I mean, last year's Super Bowl, as we talked about before when I was on the show, we had COVID restrictions here in the UK. I couldn't go to the game. I had a ticket lined up and I couldn't go. I sat and watched it on my own in an apartment. And it was very surreal. This one, again, I was watching on my own. Yes, I was getting excited, but I didn't get completely utterly distraught when the Bucks lost on the final field goal. And I don't know if it's a case of I'm getting older or wiser or less wise. It just, I don't get that passionate as I did 20 years ago about the game. Mm. So, Paul, when that score was 27-3, to 3, I mean, were you disgusted or were you like T.J. Reeves thinking, well, hey, it's Tom Brady, we're still going to come back? Were you holding out a little bit of hope here or were you looking for an old Faulty Towers rerun at that point in time? <laughs> well, I was actually texting T.J. on the sideline because 30 years ago, the Bucks were 27-3 up against the Rams at half time in a nationally televised game. And I was saying to him, wouldn't it be ironic if the Bucks then came back and paid back for it? Those were the days of Jim Everett playing for the Rams. But I think it wasn't really a case of the Bucks coming back. It was the Rams doing everything they could to get the Bucks back into it. I mean, they were just creating mistake after mistake. And you kept thinking, how many chances do you want to give the greatest quarterback of all time, the chance to pull off another miracle comeback. And I think when when the Bucks tied it at 27 off, that wow, this is going to overtime. And I really, it was the first time I thought the Bucks were going to win because going into the game, I thought the Rams were far better. They were a better matchup for them. You know, they just like certain teams, you have bogey teams you don't match up well against. The Bucks do not match up well against the Rams. But I think as it with 40 seconds left, I really thought this is it, we're going to overtime, we're going to win this. And then of course, unfortunately, one, you know, one blitz too many, big completion to Cooper Cup. And it's a former Bucks kicker who puts them into the championship game and sends the Bucks home. Mm-hmm. Paul Buck Power Stewart joins us, uh, buckpower.com. You know, Paul, what what do you what do you think of my my synopsis or philosophy heading into this game? And I've been pretty consistent with saying this during the course of the year. I just felt that this was not the Buccaneers' year. I thought it, it's always too tough to repeat, so I will never go out and say, oh, this team is going to repeat no matter 
if it's the Bucks, it's somebody else. Uh, whether it's a you know Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, I just think it is so tough to repeat. Everyone has a target on their back as far as the defending champion goes, and then you add in the injuries that the Buccaneers had this year, and. I go back to what I said earlier. I just did not think it was a good matchup for Tampa Bay against the Rams. Were you, were you buying into any of my theories there? I, I totally agree, TC. And I've talked about this on British TV before, that when you get into the playoffs, and there are 14 teams in the playoffs this year, there are probably seven or eight who could realistically win the Super Bowl. Um, and then it comes down to who gets the breaks. And when the Bucks won the Super Bowl 20 years ago, they had the breaks leading into the game. And then they came up against the one team where Gruden knew the entire reign of offense. Now, last year, the Bucks had no injuries at all. You know, they had a big play in the divisional round against New Orleans when Drew Brees threw a bad interception that turned the game. They had one big play just for half-time against the Packers. That turned that game. They got the breaks. They went into the Super Bowl, and the Chiefs were missing both their starting tackles. Now, there's no NFL team can really perform when your two starting tackles are out. And that's why the Chiefs lost and the Bucks won. They had the breaks. Now, this year, the Bucks didn't have the breaks. They lost Chris Godwin, their, their main receiver, you know, six weeks before the, for the uh, playoffs. They then had Antonio Brown do his walking out of the NFL stunt, and that was him gone. They then lost their all-pro with Tristan Wirth to a broken ankle, really, the week before. You cannot take breaks like that, bad breaks like that, and still try and win. Because it just, you know, the odds, well, you're in Vegas, the odds build up against you, and eventually the house is going to win. Right. Paul Buckpower, uh, Stuart uh, joins us. Well, Paul, now the speculation begins for the Buccaneers in their future. <laughs> Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and, uh, you know, I heard Tom Brady in some comments yesterday where he actually said that he is going to take some time off to think about this. He actually mentioned his wife uh, and the kids uh, sacrificed a lot for him the past year and now he wants to be there for him and I thought it was kind of interesting because he said there is really no hurry for him to make a decision that he is really going to, to sit there and take his time and we really haven't heard Brady say that before um, first of all, gut feeling, do you think Tom Brady uh, comes back as a Buccaneer? And then, you know, after the way everything, um, you know, transpired, you know, last weekend, uh, is this, you know, maybe, you know, Brady really going to milk this thing out and, and see A, how he feels and B, how, the, uh, uh, how things transpire with the Bucks. I think it's very typical of people like us in the media that as soon as a player finishes a game, you have like a heartbreaking loss like the Bucks did. He walks into a press conference and the first question he's going to get is, so, are you retiring? I mean, <laughs> all of us in life and everyone driving around Vegas has done this and they're going to nod their heads at this. We've all made bad decisions on the spur of the moment. And right now, there are thousands of people going, yep, yep, I've done that, I've done that. Even Nunchuck's doing it now. So it's very hard on the spur of the moment to make that kind of decision. You've got to go away and think about it in the cold light of day. If it takes a week, a month, you do that. You know, and until then, if he hadn't said anything at all, that would be bad. You know, he's come out and just said, I'm going to go away and think about it. Absolutely the right thing to do, you know, and I don't think he's got enough professional pride that he's not going to leave a team hanging on till May and then say, do you know what, I'm not going to come back. He's, he's, he's going to 
like I said, take his time, talk to his family. It's a family decision. He doesn't need the money. You know, he's got enough Super Bowl rings. It's down to him. Does he want to do it one more year? And he's a professional sportsman. We're not. He knows what is involved in another season. And, yeah, he's going to take his time. And I think that's actually the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, with Brady... You know, going to, to Tampa, I mean, he's got the Super Bowl, you know, title from last year. Uh, I think some people thought there was going to be a little bit of a, a fall off for him, and there really wasn't. I mean, he came back again, and he arguably had probably, again, the, the best season maybe of his career, or definitely one of the best. We know that an MVP type of thing. I think it would be kind of a travesty if he did lose the MVP, especially to Aaron Rodgers, because I think Brady was was that strong. But did you see any signs of him, especially down the stretch of the season or in this playoff game, that would lead you to believe, okay, maybe we have seen the best of Tom Brady, and maybe it is now time for him to, to walk away? No, not really, TC. The, the Buccaneer Gate scheme has changed in the last two years. So, round about November last year, um, in the 2020 season, he was having a problem throwing the deep ball. And you could see it, and I wrote about it on Buck Power a couple of times. They changed the offense to, to take away that kind of play. And it went to a more of a quick release quick passing scheme, which is what he's done. Now, this year, all the stats have proven he's getting the ball out faster than any other quarterback in the NFL. So he's really doing maybe two reads, three possibly, and then the ball's going out. If he's not there, he throws it away or takes the sack. So whereas you get college schemes where it's look at your first option, if it's not there, run. In the NFL, you try and go through your progressions. And quarterbacks, with the scheme the Buccaneers are running now, most quarterbacks could probably only have the time to do two reads and then they'd get out of there. Brady's got a chance to go for three. But the scheme has changed to make it work. He's had 5,300 yards passing, 43 touchdowns. It works. And it's not a case of arm strength. It's a case of making the scheme fit his skill set at the age of 44. It's the same as when you watch major league pitchers who go from being power pitchers in their 20s to being more crafty and scheming as they get older in their careers. And, you you know, they go for more ground balls. They change their arsenal to suit their diminishing skills as they get older. So Brady might not have the arm strength he had when he was 23, 24. No quarterback will. But they've adapted the scheme to suit it. And, yes, he could quite easily run another thing, another year doing the same thing so Gronkowski said he needs about three to five weeks to <laughs> decompress and he said that uh, you know he's going to assess uh, all situations here before he actually makes a decision here's a quote from Rob Gronkowski earlier today he says um, if they're like Rob you've got to decide right now uh, right this second if you're playing next year I would say right now uh, it's 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 two days after the season. I'd be like, no, I'm not playing. You've got to give it some time. You've got to rest. You've got to see how everything goes, to see how everything plays out and how I feel. I just want to heal completely, see where my thoughts are from there, and then. If I had to answer right now, it would be no. But you never know. In three weeks, it might be a yes. And I think that's very honest. And I think that is the way that anyone of his stature who is – 
you know, again, you know, late 30s, uh, approaching the end of his career, who's basically conquered and accomplished everything one could possibly do, you know, uh, you know, as as a football player, that he is actually taking the right approach and he's being open and honest with this. So I actually uh, love hearing that uh, from Gronk instead of the silence or instead of the rhetoric. It's like, hey, uh, that's it right now. No, I mean, no football player who goes through all those, you know, bumps and bruises and pains. Uh, you know, of, of the grind of that season. A lot of people just still don't realize what a grind it is for a football player. We hear Aaron Rodgers talking about it. You know, we've, we hear Gronk talking about it. They need some time to decompress and get away from it. And uh, again, you know, I commend Gronkowski for, for being open and saying, you know, right now it's no, but it, it could change. I think so. And I think, you know, are we talking about sports players being mature and sensible, TC? That cannot happen. None of them are that, surely. (laughs) Now, one thing about Gronk is he's a shadow of the player he was five, ten years, you know, five years ago, simply because of age. He he is not very fast down the field and he's almost lumbering down the field rather than running. He's a very effective blocker. Grady looks for him, but he really is a shadow of the player he was five years ago. We've seen some absolutely amazing football games the last two or three weeks. You know, going back to the last week of the regular season with what the 49ers did just to get into the playoffs over the Rams. And and you look at the Kansas City-Buffalo game. You look at the two Saturday games. This has been one of the most incredible... you know, series of football we've ever seen, you know, in our time. And you almost feel like, you know, we could get two blowouts this weekend or a blowout Super Bowl, and it'd be such an anticlimax to what we've seen the last three weeks. Right, right. You know, uh, we were talking about this the other day about how this is the most popular sport in the world. And granted, we understand, you know, soccer is global and that sort of thing. But when you have the popularity of the NFL and you have the the fandomonium that we have here, and then you have um, the games unfold the way they did, all four games last week coming down to the final play of the contest, all four playoff games with huge meaning, the finality of, of ending, you know, a team season, you know, with the outcome here. It just it is, it is amazing. And this is why it is the most popular sport in the world. And we were trying to compare this actually to soccer where you don't have these type of finishes in soccer where you could have the ties. I understand when you go to tournament play like World Cup and that sort of thing or UEFA Cup and that sort of thing, sure, you play it out. You go to overtime. You, know, you, could, you could have the shootout, you know, the penalty kicks. You know, we understand that. But for the most part, you do not get the type of drama like this where a lead change can happen three times in the final two minutes. Wouldn't you agree with that? I totally agree with you, TC, because as we've talked on this show before, most soccer events are league tables where you play 30, 40 games a season. And only rare, you can come down to the last day of the season where maybe Chelsea have to beat Liverpool. And if Manchester City only draw with Manchester United, that could affect the table. But I mean, you, you know... Um, you very rarely get into like the lose and go home scenario. I can only think of two occasions in in forty years of, of being marginally involved in soccer where that has happened, where it's come down to the last day of the season, and even a World Cup game. It's really only one game, you know, a final that gets that serious. We're talking last weekend. All four games came down to the final play. 
all four of them, three on field goals and that insane game in Kansas City where I'm not, you know, if they carried on playing overtime, overtime like college rules, that game would have finished 90 to 88. It was insane. <laughs> you know, I'm seeing, and I'm Chuck is showing me a picture of it looks like a young Paul Buck Power Stewart. Was that after the Super Bowl of 2002 where you look like a drunken maniac putting your arms in the air like Rocky Balboa? Is that you, Paul that, Buck Power Stewart? That is 20 years ago to the day. There it is. Qualcomm, 19 years ago today at Qualcomm Stadium. I was in the stands, and yes, the Buccaneers had just won, and that is pure, pure euphoria. Pure euphoria. And I'm just, you know, anyone who follows their team in any sport, if you've been through a lot of years of losing, and many people have, if you suddenly experience winning and you're there, and I was there to see it, you cannot put into words, you know, and, and I found it so hard to go on British TV the following day. I was in, still in San Diego and I was talking to them. I found it so hard to put into words what it meant. Because it was everything, everything for me. Now, you do not look like an astute media member there. I, I don't no, think you were actually covering that Super Bowl. When I see this guy, we were putting his arms up in the air, wearing a jersey, and it looks yeah. like, as you, you Brits say, two sheets to the wind or whatever. I wonder How many beers were in your system at that point in time? Uh, probably only one. It was just pure euphoria. No, I was not covering that game for British TV. And in fact, there's a story from the championship game the previous week when the Bucks beat the Eagles. I didn't cover that game for British TV because I was so convinced they were going to lose a game. I did not want to be in the studio to watch them lose and then have to do the AFC title game afterwards. So they when the Bucks won, they actually phoned me and said, can I go on air? And I was crying with happiness. And then when it came to the Super Bowl, I did some filming on the flight. I was filming different uh, media people and fans travelling over for the game from London. But when I got to San Diego, I was not working, and I said to the guys on British TV, this is my weekend, I'm not doing anything, I'm going to enjoy this as the fan I am. You know, I don't think a lot of people remember what a blowout that game was. I mean, in a high oh. score, it was 48-21. to 21 where the Bucks yes. beat the Raiders in that game. I mean, the Bucks scored at will, which was a little bit surprising for that team, actually, that season. Yes, it was. I, I must congratulate Rich Gannon for throwing five touchdown passes in that game. Probably three of them were to the Buccaneers. Right. <laughs> That's true. No, it was. It was a very special game. I mean, it really came down to the fact that the John Gruden still knew all the Raider offense. And I've talked with people I know like John Lynch and Rondé Barber and Dexter Jackson, who had two interceptions that game. And they've all said they pretty much knew every play that was coming. Keenan McCardell. Remember him? He was, he was, yes, a, big, he was a big factor, a couple touchdowns touchdowns in that game too right he did indeed he had two touchdowns Mike Allstott had one the defense had three and it was a very very memorable victory I'd say anyone who supports a team you know if you if you're driving around Vegas now and you support a team that hasn't won anything just believe that one day it's going to happen and you will be there and it will be so worthwhile that you waste all those years for it to happen you know, looking at that picture there, I was not sure if that was you, Paul Buck Power Stewart, or actually Martin Gramatica. 
<laughs> I, I was talking with Martin the other day. We had him on our podcast. Martin's a great guy, even though he's an Argentinian soccer fan and loves Maradona. Martin's a really great guy. But no, that is me. My hair was a bit darker. It was 20 years ago, TC. I know. You look great, my friend. I'm just giving you a bad time. Exactly. No, Chuck, you're late on that. I delivered the Martin Grammatica a layup there, and you come with 48 seconds later? I mean, that was like the Raiders in that game. Jeez. <laughs> You know, uh, yes, uh, producer for sale here, Paul Buck Power Stewart. If you have any use for Numbchuck, just uh, let me know. We can maybe work a trade. How's that? Maybe Numbchuck Uh, for a couple pints? We could do the new prime minister over here to replace Boris Johnson. So if he wants to grab a flight, we'll put him in 10 Downing Street. Very nice. Very nice. All right, my friend, real quick. This weekend's game. We got the Buccaneers. Uh, the Buccaneers, listen to me. The, yeah, thank you. No, thank not the Buccaneers. B.B. Bengals. That's where I was going with. Bengals and the Chiefs, my friend. Let's start with that. AFC style. What do you got? Uh, I've got the Vegas Golden Knights playing in Tampa Saturday night. Isn't of that course. a big sports oh, event this weekend? Of course you do. No, of course. Okay. You, you sound like our good friends over at the Cosmopolitan Double B. That's what he'd be saying. Yeah, I will. Okay, I'm going to go. I was only two or four at the week this time. I was five of uh, um, five of six the first week. I will take the Chiefs to win that by 20 to 25 points. 20 to 25 points. There it is. Lay in the lumber. All right, Paul Buck, Power Stewart. And, of course... Rams hosting the Niners. Who you got and why? Well, I, Raheem Morris, the Rams defensive coordinator, is one of the nicest human beings I have ever met. He's a former Bucks head coach. He is just a great person. I really hope he gets a job in the NFL, you know, a head coaching job again. So I have no interest in who wins. I will only watch the highlights on the Monday morning. I hope the Rams win for Raheem's sake alone, but I'm not going to put a score on that one. All right. Are you wearing a Kucherov shirt right now as you're doing this interview, my friend? Yes, I am. I am wearing a number one something something T-shirt um, from Nikita Kucherov, who's actually going to miss the game tomorrow night. It's in COVID protocol, but the Lightning keep winning in spite of that. So, yeah, when the Golden Knights come into Amelie Arena on Saturday night, Kucherov will not be playing. The Golden Knights taking on the Lightning, and Paul Buck Power Stewart will be all over that. Okay, there you go. Uh, I don't don't ask me to have a friendly wager with you on that because I'm not I'm not backing this team. I mean, they went to Carolina last night and got beat. This team has been sliding backwards. Yeah, I think one of the problems is you've you've got a lot of road games coming up over the next two months, and and your road form hasn't been that good. I still, I mean, the, the, looking at the teams in the, in the Western Conference, you're going to be in the playoffs, and they're going to be in contention. It's really can you stop the Colorado Avalanche because they are one heck of a team. All right, since your season is now over with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, my friend, uh, what are you going to every day on BuckPower.com? Are we just going to be reminiscing? Are we going to be seeing old pictures of you and Martin Grammatica? Uh, what do we got? Uh, uh, Donald Uwebikwe, whatever his name is, my man. There he is. We get, we're going to Don't see. Donald- Donald's a great guy. I'm updating all the pages now, updating all the profiles. I am going to be starting a countdown of the 100 best plays in Buccaneer history. Nice. I've got them all lined up. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be running those one a day. And when we get towards the draft in April, I'll be going through all the Buccaneer drafts, past drafts, good and bad. And we've got some podcasts lined up where we're going to look back at other moments in Buck history. But, yeah, the 100 best plays in Buck's history, all right. that's coming up. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you – I'm going to ask for a shameless uh, 
uh, favor and plug here. I don't know where you put them, but you must find a play of my man James Owens and Ricky Reynolds, the pride of Sacramento, Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, and you got to find a play for where those guys get in the top uh, 100. they got to be there. J.O., James Reynolds. Owens, Ricky Reynolds. Yep. Ricky's definitely in there because he had the first ever block punt in Buccaneer. There it is. Uh, Look at that. Um, Rick, Ricky's coming on my podcast in next month. We're going to go back and look at a game in Bucks history. So Rick will be coming on to that. So there we go. There you I've go. I've got that lined up for you already, TC. Oh, look at that. There you go. Tell, tell Ricky hello for me. I appreciate that. I will. All right. Paul Buckpower Stewart, buckpower.com. Always a pleasure to visit with you, my friend. And uh, unlike TJ Rees, where we need to kick him to the curb for about five or six months, we don't need to do that with you because I know that we can come back and talk some Euro Cup or talk something with you. Or, you know, uh, again, Wolverhampton over Leicester, 3-0, whatever. That's what we need to talk to you about. Or anything else that is happening in uh, bloody old England. Why I I'm said bloody old England, I have way, no I idea. Told, I told TJ that I was uh, older than him and better looking, and he says only one of those is true. <laughs> there you go. Uh, no, it's a pleasure talking to you guys, and, and I'd like to thank the people who, who got in touch with me, people who listen to this, this section on the, on the radio who have got in touch with me, and I'm happy to answer any questions about British and European sport, but it's been lovely to hear from them. There it is. All right, my friend, be good, enjoy, and time for you to go night-night now, okay? Watch an old episode of Faulty <laughs> hours for me i will cheerio <laughs> see you later manuel all right there you go <laughs> paul Buckpower stewart our guy across the pond does a fantastic job of covering the buccaneers people love hearing buck power on they love it to hear this this guy with this british accent talking about nfl football but uh again sad day but was he in mourning he wasn't in mourning because he's fine he, take, he takes the losses fine, unlike our other good friend who's on the broadcast team there in Tampa Bay, uh, one T.J. Reeves. No, Paul Buckpower Stewart, you know, takes it like a man, no doubt about it. All right, and I'm actually going to be looking forward to the uh, Buccaneers' top 100 plays. Very, 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 very intrigued with that. There you go. All right, we come back. The big seven-footer will join us, Big Bill Cartwright. We talk a little NBA Next hour, RVD in the house. And again, very special guest, my tag team partner in the house as well. The guru of professional wrestling, Big Al Lorenz, is going to be dropping by. That and a whole lot more coming your way here. T.C. Martin Show on a wild, woolly Wednesday. Now, back to more of Las Vegas' favorite sports madman, the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, Friday back at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, our Friday home. Come on by, see the show live, 2 to 4 p.m. Look forward to that. Of course, Jay Schrader in the house, the former QB, the Super Bowl champion, former Raider as well. He will be there in the house. Marco D'Angelo will be joining us. We'll be handicapping it all. And as we continue to stay on fire, best bets, another winner last week. Of course, with the... With the... uh, Rams over those Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week. So, yes, yeah, so come on by. See the show live inside the sports book, powered by William Hill at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, our Friday home each and every Friday during the NFL and all the way through March Madness. The Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. No better place to be on, on the Las Vegas Strip at the Cosmopolitan. All right. Uh, we talk a little NBA, a little college hoops with our good friend, the one and only 
and the original man in the middle, the seven-footer, the five-time NBA champ, Big Bill Cartwright. What's going on, brother? I think they did start that man in the middle thing. Uh, actually, when I was there in Chicago, because you got to remember, before that, um, you know, I would have to bow to uh, Artis Gilmore, who was there. Uh, as we should, but uh, I, don't, I don't think they had that going. So yeah, I think that is uh, is is a is an accurate statement. Yeah, the big seven footer. There it is. The original man in the middle. The original. So I got my man here, my tag team partner, a Chicago native, Big Al Lorenz. You probably remember Big Al because Big Al did the the commentary with me on my old NWC wrestling days. We're going to be talking some wrestling a little bit later, and I know you're a huge wrestling fan, Big Bill, but Big Al saw you play back in the day at Chicago Stadium, and we were talking about this last night, and I don't think I've officially introduced you guys because Big Al, right? Did I, Al? Because Al's been living in Curacao over the past two decades. Well, I tell you what, Bill, you were the man in the middle. Ain't no question about that. Twenty four <laughs> clogged it up better than anybody. There and it is. Artist Gilmore, no shot. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guess, a quick story about Artist Gilmore. Yeah. We went up to Milwaukee one night yeah. and he took on the late great Paul Mokeski in the middle. Okay. And Milwaukee the, Chicago, Bucks. the yeah. Chicago Tribune used to have a promotion called Zingo Bingo. <laughs> and Artist went for a big four that night. So when they came out of the locker room at old uh, Milwaukee Arena, right. the door opens up, and Jerry Sloan was coaching the team at the time. And Artis, zingo bingo for four. <laughs> it's your lucky day. Don't tell me about the guy in the middle. The guy in the middle got three rings. That's all I know. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> There you go, Big Bill. There you go. And, uh, yeah, no no, no, Luke Longleys or Bill Winningtons after you. They're not the man in the middle, okay? You're the man in the middle. Well, like I said, I was one of those. And <clears throat> I don't know if you guys know artists or not. Um, wonderful guy, great guy. Uh, probably one of the strongest men, uh, uh, at least at that time, on the planet. So uh, I'm going to leave him alone. <laughs> 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 okay, but he's a phenomenal guy, great player, all-star, ABA, all-star. Yeah, yeah. Uh, long career. Uh, I think he's still up in uh, Jacksonville uh, doing some stuff for their university as well. So, um, you know, mutual respect for that dude. But you go after Paul McKeskey or Billy Paltz, the Whopper, <laughs> right? I never played against Billy Paltz. So I know, Paul before McKenzie, your time, I know, yeah. Yeah, Paul McKenzie is actually my class, so uh, you know there can't be anything wrong with that. Um, so, as you know, him and uh, Bill Wayne Beer uh, class, so we had uh, we had some we had some big boys in that group. Okay, all right, there he is. A little little, little reminiscent time there with the uh, the big seven footer. All right, my friend, um, I know that we've talked about uh, this story here uh, over the last week, but uh, uh, John, John Stockton is not wearing masks at the, at the McCarthy center there in the, in the, in your West coast conference there. And we know that there have been some places in the WCC that, you know, fans were not allowed, but bottom line is all of these venues, doesn't matter what state you're in are requiring the mask, but for some reason, John Stockton doesn't want to wear the mask. So, the officials at Gonzaga said, 
we're taking away your season tickets here. And it's funny because Stockton's response to this is like, well, you know, he starts talking about the vaccines, not believing in this and that. And we've seen him at games not wearing the mask. And other Gonzaga fans and administrators are saying, you know, John, we can't have you maskless. And everybody else is, is wearing masks. So here we go. Uh, one of the greats in Gonzaga history and one in NBA history is uh, got his season tickets revoked. Uh, when you hear stories like this, uh, <laughs> give me some feedback here. It's just a little confusing. Just like, you know, what we talk about all the time. And, I, and I'm sure you had him on uh, Terrible Tuesday. And, and yes. he should probably lead yeah. off. It, it did. It did. <laughs> It's just really confusing because, you know, for one thing, let's think about this. He's a team guy. Uh, so there's team rules. And so if the rules are for everybody uh, as to wear a mask, uh, you would think he would do it just for that. Now, I uh, get a physical every year. I go to a doctor. I get checked out. And, you know, the doctor. Fortunately, this year, it said, Bill, hey, you know, you're looking good. Your blood's good. Everything's good. Oxygen levels are great. And, uh, you know, and we want you to get vaccinated. We want you to, you know, wear a mask. We want you to do all that. So the guy who takes care of my health, they want me to do that. So that's what I kind of go by is my doc, uh, the guy who's trying to keep me healthy. So... That's why we're all curious that uh, where does it come from? I'm sure it can't be coming from any doc telling them that um, unless he recently uh, graduated from medical school. So that's the good He went to the part. same medical that's school as uh, Aaron Rodgers. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, as an athlete, now for you as a coach, you know that you've got to follow the rules and be part of the team. Part of the team. He's been part of the teams for probably 30 years. Uh, just get on with the team. Just get on, whether you believe it or not, get in with the team. Well, the uh, good, you, can't, you can't be an individual. The good news is that he is now wearing a mask uh, in Utah, though. Uh, his statue out in front of the arena there in Utah. Some fans went up there, climbed up there, and put a mask on the statue. So at least John Stockton, in some semblance of fashion, has a mask on. Hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. It's a hilarious it's just, picture, too. Hilarious. And it's, just, and it's just too bad. Now, look, I, I go to, as you know, I go to every uh, USF home game. Uh, and there is a mask requirement here in San Francisco, as you would suspect. Uh, everybody in the building wears a mask. If you cannot wear a mask, you are asked to leave. So people here, as you know, are very compliant. Uh, people here in San Francisco are, are great that way. They want to keep everybody healthy and safe. So they put a mask on. Now, how hard is that to put a mask on? I think that should maybe maybe some people are paying. Maybe that mask is cutting into them, or um, I don't know. Maybe they've got some kind of condition. I'm sure they could, somebody's got to make up one that you've got this mask condition and you feel like you're just you know in a tube or something. You just can't do it. So um, I don't know. There's look. There is no reason. That's the problem. 
There is no reason for it. And like I said, we're just trying to make sense out of nonsense. And it's sad because that guy is an icon. He was a great player uh college and, and, and pros. He's somebody to admire, to look up to. And to see this nonsense going on is it should be beneath him. But uh, I guess it's not. Now, you mentioned you go to all of the USF home games. You do go on the road and, and travel, as we know here. But last weekend, uh, you went to Pepperdine. I saw you hanging out there, watching the game there at Pepperdine, uh, taking those uh, you know, seven-foot-one legs of yours uh, you know, over a couple rows of bleachers there. But you, you had to uh, enjoy some fine dining there uh, on the beach there at Pepperdine in Malibu, didn't you? Nah, I didn't do that. Did I, I laid low. I, I, I laid low. I didn't have anybody to go with, for one thing. But if I wanted to lay low, I think I uh, just ate at a restaurant and uh, went back to my room. But as you saw uh, on the screen, because they had me up there, I, I, I had my mask on. Because yeah, of course you did. Pepperdine. Of course I did. Why wouldn't I? Uh, it was required by, uh, by uh, the uh, people at Pepperdine. Uh, there is a worldwide pandemic going on. I want to stay stay safe as I can, uh, and everybody else had a mask on too. So, uh, luckily, our dons uh, were able to prevail. Had a great game, uh, so I was, I was. It was a very very great night. And uh, as a matter of fact, we had a great dinner that night after the game. We went up with some alums. You would have loved it. Uh, it was a steak restaurant. Mm. Um. Very, very, very good middles. There you go. I love that. Uh, you know, speaking of masks, uh, last night's game, the Sacramento Kings had masks on too last night, except their masks were covering their eyes. 128 to 75. The Celtics crushed your Kings. Put, take the mask off. How do you score 75 in an NBA game? Do the math there. What They got beat by, what is that? 53? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I didn't yeah, need a calculator for that. What is going on with this this team? I mean, blow them up already. We finally get rid of Luke Walton. Okay, that's that's done. Now Alvin Gentry's over there. This poor guy, he's pulling his hair out. I mean, come on. 75 in an NBA game? What is this? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. What's worse, the 75 or, or the uh, 128? I'll, I'll tell you what's. I'll tell you what's worse. How about this? This team shot thirty percent from the field. They jacked it up ninety-five times, connected on twenty-nine. Oh, and like we talk about all the time, everybody wants to to fire the three. The Kings fired up thirty-three of them, connected on six. Yeah, if you're scoring at home, that's eighteen percent. Thank you very little. Come on. Yeah, yeah, but, but look at this. Let's go the other way though. That's 128 points they gave up, but but it, but it gets worse than that. Um, in, in in the Raptors game, um, the Hornets gave up 125, but they scored 113. In the Gold State game, the Mavs gave up 130. They scored 92. In the Spurs game, the Rockets gave up. 134, and they scored 104. Do you, do you know how hard it is to score more than 120 points in a game? <laughs> See, it's, 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 it's hard. Yeah. 
Yeah. Physically. It's, yeah. It, it's hard to get the ball up the floor that quickly and shoot. Two and a half points a minute. So yeah. that's the amazing thing is that all those points are being scored, being allowed. Did, did they change the timeout rule that you can't call timeout? <laughs> oh, no. Each team still gets seven. Yeah, hey, uh, that's how we did. But for some reason, they don't like to use them. But, yeah, going back to what you're saying, 134 points, you're basically scoring every possession. Every well, possession. Just about every possession you are scoring. That is insane. Uh, 134, 104, you mentioned San Antonio. And that's San Antonio. That's no great offense there. And then how about the Warriors? The Warriors score 130 last night, and they yeah. give, up, give up 92. So they win by, you know, whatever that is, 38. Jeez. So what is, so what is math going skills on are on today. that? What is, what is going on with, with the fact that the league, and it's not just one team, it's the, the entire league giving up a ton of points. Now, this happened earlier. We talked about it. That all these points are given up. Are do you think? Do you think that teams are just throwing in the towel early, like the third quarter, just throwing it in? Because something's going on. I, I don't recall this ever happening in the league, not to this extent. Right. To where I, I can see one team. I was talking about one team. It's four teams. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see it thrown in the towel. I just think it's uh, playing matador defense. And again, you know, we look at a lot of these rosters. You know, I've said this before. I'm just, you know, I know people say, hey, these are coveted positions. You know, being an NBA basketball player, I mean, to to get a roster spot. I don't know, Bill. I just, I I have a different viewpoint than I did many, many years ago where I'm seeing guys that I'm not sure that they belong on an NBA roster. You know, I'm seeing G League guys, D League guys, whatever you want to call it. I just, I just, I don't see it. We see bad shot selection. We see turnovers. We see just, uh, you know, numbskull moves here. I don't know. It's just, it's not an overly great brand of basketball that what we're seeing here. And when you get that, you tend to get blowouts. You tend to get a lot of turnovers. And again, you know, like you've said time and time again, Everybody thinks they're a three-point shooter. I mean, the the brand of the game is really seriously deteriorating here, and it's it's very hard to watch. I have find find myself watching less and less NBA basketball than I ever have. Yeah, and and it is part of sports because you know things do change, and right now the style of plays change. Unfortunately, the style and what's acceptable defensively has changed because now it is very acceptable to give up a layup. Years ago, and you, and you hate the flashback, hey, when I played years ago, but years ago, uh, giving up a layup was taboo. You could take it out of the game for giving up a layup. Right. Out of the game. You can see the coach spreading down the end of the bench. Get it out. Now, guys give up a layup, it's kind of, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay if I jump out of the way. I'm I'm I'm, I'm not going to take a foul. No, it's, so it's just very very confusing. And what's going on? Yeah, very very hard to watch from this standpoint. The Lakers, a very hard team to watch. Team's a mess. I mean, now they're you know they've won a couple, so now they're they've worked their way back to five hundred twenty four and twenty four. Blaming Frank Vogel, the coach. Uh, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, Avery Bradley. What is this? Is the AARP team? I mean, <laughs> seriously, look at this roster. 
How, is there any surprise why this team is 500 with this roster? I mean, these guys, they're ugly. It's terrible. And, and the paychecks that these guys are cashing, I can't watch it. Well, those guys, there's a higher expectation because those guys are all-star type players. What, what I don't, what I could care. They, they were a decade ago, yeah. Well, but, but I'm saying it's it's their level of play. Now, when you watch the Warriors, you watch Phoenix, you watch Utah play. Um, if I was to watch um, watch the Bulls play or you watch Miami play, you're going to see a intense level of play throughout the entire course of the game. And it's just not that way in L.A. Those guys, those guys take plays off. Those guys don't hustle back on defense every position. Those guys, those guys, there's an expectation in that group, or at least a feel from what I see, that they're kind of cruising, they're kind of playing. There's, there's, there's no real intent, at least not throughout the entire course of the game. At one point in time, uh, I think they believe they believed that they could just kind of turn it on and turn it off. So that's why they're getting beat. That's why that's why the Kings can go down there and beat them. That's uh, all right, brother. We got to get rolling here, um, real quick. Uh, send us out here. Uh, I know you'll be watching some football this weekend. Who you got? Cincinnati, Kansas City, Rams, Niners. Who's in the Super Bowl? Go. Everybody likes Kansas City, so I'm going to go with that. You know, uh, young guys, those guys look good. You know, out here, there's two teams. You know, we got to pull for, or really one team. We got to pull for the 49ers. Uh, 49ers beat the Cowboys anyway, so that's the only group I have left. So, uh, either KC or the Niners. Who do you got? Me? I got, I got, I got KC and Niners. There it is. Okay, oh, I, I got. Wow. I got a re. We I, agree. I got. A, we agree. I got a rematch of the Super Bowl from two years ago. That's what I got. There you go. Wow. Yeah. To wow. be to be continued on this. So yeah, we we can't even get a side bet. We can't even get a food bet because we're on the same side. No, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's really disappointing. I know. All right, brother. <laughs> Appreciate the time as always. Uh, we'll wrap at you later. Enjoy your weekend, USF St. Mary's. I'll be watching that coming up tomorrow night. That's tomorrow. I'm on all good vibes out of you. You got it, brother. Big vibes all night. All right. See you later. The big seven foot of the five-time NBA champ, Big Bill Cartwright, joining us. All right. Coming back on the other side, we're going to talk a little old school wrestling, NWC, coming your way. That and a whole lot more on this Wednesday. This hour, we are going to do a little reminiscing. We'll be talking about some old school wrestling. And as many people know, when Rob Van Dam comes to visit with us, the conversation usually kind of goes back to our NWC days. And for longtime listeners or people that have been in Las Vegas for a long time, uh, you remember the, the promotion that I had back in the 90s, the NWC, which our shows were at the Silver Nugget Casino, as well as the Aladdin, our weekly TV show our best of, uh, Total Chaos, and it just seems always to get a lot of traction, and, and people are saying, hey, we want to hear more about that. Today, we're going to give you 
a little bit more of that. Uh, RVD will be in the house this hour. He is going to join us. We'll have some fun reminiscing. But my good friend and long tag team partner going back in those days, uh, Big Al Lorenz, is actually in the house today. And Al doesn't uh, get back to Vegas too often. He spends the majority of his time uh, overseas. But again, he was a big part of the NWC. And so I wanted to spend some time with him today since he was in town. We'll hear some from some other voices, uh, part of the promotion as well, too. But the guru of professional wrestling, as I used to introduce him at each and every broadcast, the guru, Big Al Lorenz in the house. What is up, my man? How you doing, T? It's so great to be back in Las Vegas, uh-huh. seeing you doing your thing. And Boy, oh boy, just like yesterday, we were doing the NWC shows. It's, it's just so vivid in my mind all the time. And the stuff you pull up on YouTube and the videos and everything else, it's, it's just crazy to to know how cutting edge we actually were. Mm-hmm. And this uh, that goes back a lot to you from your days of being around Vince and, and Bob and those guys. And you brought it all to Vegas, and we put on some hell of a shows, didn't we, buddy? Yes, we did. You go back to those uh, those days in the 90s, it was fantastic, and we reminisce you know, quite a bit. Again, like I said, a lot of our listeners love going back and, and hearing about that, and it's been a while since, since I had you in studio. I think it's going back about three years of yeah. the old studio, and I think the last time you were on, we brought Rob in as well, too, right? And, right. Rob was on the show, and right. I happened, to, I, I happened right. to be listening to the podcast, and right. you, you had promoted Rob, and, and I got a chance to call in and yeah. say hello to the guys, but right. uh, but it's nothing like sitting here with you, yeah. sitting with you live, mm-hmm. going out and having dinner last night was fantastic, mm-hmm. and and reminiscing with, even our timekeeper came out last night. Uh, that's you know, right. That's right. Huey the timekeeper came out. Yeah, absolutely. That's and it. People ask me all the time yeah. when I'm living, where I'm living now in, in Curacao about... What's it like? So I, I try to pull up a YouTube every now and then. Here, mm. this is what it is. I knew how much you loved wrestling because you had a background of that in your days in Chicago. It was a perfect mix to make you part of that broadcast. It was seamless, and we still hear the compliments that and you and I get from the old TV shows, the total chaos, the best of videos. And again, those were days that were not well rehearsed. We called the action like we saw it. And, uh, and and that was the beauty because people ask me that all the time. Where did you guys get that chemistry? And it was it was definitely homegrown. I knew when to shut up, I guess. But the, <laughs> but the, no, the impromptuness of it, if that's a word. Yeah. But uh, it was just amazing how the flow, the ebb and flow back and forth. And I would kick in with some of my old time stuff from my AWA days back in the old amphitheater in, in Chicago. So when you think back of those days for you, and I know you've got a lot of great memories and thoughts. Uh, what was it for you that just that made it so special in your own mind? For the NWC, it was absolutely, and I have people agree with me when they watch or they see some of the old video, the flow between the young and up-and-coming talent that you were trying to develop and the stars that we brought in, okay? You took some guys that... Took some guys that wanted to work, that knew they were going to work hard because they hadn't made a name for themselves yet. But, like, not like most independent shows, we brought in 
four or five named talents, and that's what drew the crowds. And they were mixed together, and they were all great in the locker room. That was the, that was the key. They were all for the promotion. They all loved to come to Vegas. Everybody wanted to come to Vegas. You, I know sitting downstairs at the Nugget with you and Boza and, and the phone ringing off the hook, these guys all wanting to come in, come in, come in, because they were dissatisfied with Vince, and he had just gone through the, the, the crap in uh, – the crap in uh, Atlanta that, mm-hmm. you know, where they, where they threw the money around him and had no idea what they were doing. Mm-hmm. But you held fast to your idea of let's promote the new talent too. We've got to make mm-hmm. a mix and right. watch them work their way up mm-hmm. the ladder. And that was fantastic mm-hmm. to me. I was real adamant about embracing the old school wrestling because I loved wrestling back, you know, in the day, like we both watched it, you know, going back to the seventies as kids and that sort of thing in the early eighties, when Vince, I felt was doing it right. You know, it was, it was more about the product instead of the pyrotechnics and all the other nonsense. It was about not just the story angles, but just the, the competitiveness. And it was treated more like a sport. It was treated like boxing to a certain degree. And that's was my big MO, that I wanted to basically pay homage to that in those days the way it was. But again, for me, I, I wanted to capture that atmosphere and that aura. And I think we did that perfectly where you know it meant something to introduce someone as they're making their way down the aisle and you know to have outcomes that were true outcomes and then to have great interviews and have great storylines and have things carry over and build the TV show and to able to combine that with the live shows as well too but make it more about the wrestling and make it more about the matches instead of just the gimmicks Absolutely, and you you hit the nail right on the head as far as the putting the whole package together for the TV show. We had great matches, first of all. Second of all, we had unique, very unique <laughs> matches, to say the least, as, yes. you, as you're chuckling. The interviews, these guys were all professionals. And, and the greatest part about it, and I'm going to allude back to this again, and I'm sorry if, I, if I'm being redundant, but... The guys that were the experienced guys, they came in, they embraced the young guys in the locker room, and they helped them along the way. They answered their questions. They weren't, they weren't, give me my check, let me get the hell out of here. Right. They were stuck around. They shot the breeze, and they gave guys little insights. And to, to watch the, you know, other organizations mm-hmm. use the same jobbers over and over and over again, and they never got over Right. They were just jobbers. They knew they were jobbers. Mm. They knew their niche and name. But we had guys that were started at the bottom, worked their way up. Mm. And and that that alone made us unique and special. Yep, developing talent, no question about it. Well, one of those guys uh that definitely was a developing talent and that was all in one of my favorite guys, I'm gonna speak for you as well too, is joining us right now. No. And that was a guy by the name of Johnny Psycho Payne. No, 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 no. You still keep you still keep that maniac away from me. There it is. Big Al's going back to broadcast. Keep, keep that I, maniac. Am I live? You're live, brother. Am I live? Keep that Big maniac Al. out of my face. You, John, John, I miss you guys. <laughs> that was one of the best times of my life and one of the best promotions I ever saw. And you guys nailed it on the head. It was natural. It fit. It worked, it meshed, and 
Hey, man, you know, I'm kind of a little bit of a gimmick guy myself. <laughs> I had a great gimmick, too. I say I'm all over gimmicks, but I love pro wrestling because it is real. Because when Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer was beat my ass every day on the mat, day in and day out till the day he died, I'm sorry. I just... I just couldn't go out there and disrespect it. Yeah. And, man, I, NWC was so special. It was so real. It was so, Man, you guys nailed it on the – you guys hit the nail on the head. What the stars that TC brought in, and most everybody was totally cool. Most everybody got along, man. We partied together. We wrestled together. We hung together. We loved each other. Robbie Van Dam wasn't known, but man, you knew he was going to be big time. Sagu, the boys that never saw him were a mark for him. Everybody was excited to bring him in. Who was bringing him in on the West Coast? NWC, baby. There it is. And uh, so Johnny uh, from San Francisco, I'll let you tell tell the story about how we connected and, and, and how you got your shot and how it developed from there, man. So take it away. Hey. Hey, I remember, and this was a few years ago. Yep. Hey, you know, I've been through a little bit ups and downs on the way, but more ups and downs. I remember I kept telling you, calling T.C. Martin, hey, I won't let you down. I'll be there. You book me, I will be there. Because I know, you know, a couple people didn't show, a couple of this, that. You're just starting out the NWC. And I was ready. I wanted to fight somebody. I'll fight that guy in your in your in your uh, in your room there right now. I don't care. I just want to fight somebody. <laughs> and, uh, and and you know you gave me the opportunity, and it was fair. I drove up. You were always very fair. And then after a couple shows driving up, you said, "You know what, Johnny Payne? Try to try to be somewhat toned down." I'm going to put you on an airplane. <laughs> oh, man, big time. I loved it. And then I got to meet, God bless him, the junkyard dog. Yeah. My good friend of many years, the Iron Sheik. Mm. Got to meet Terry Funk. I, I mean, some really cool stars. And you're right. Those stars, if I asked them a question, they have honky tonk, man. Honky was always so cool with me. And I got along really well with Robbie Van Dam. Sabu, the Power Twins. Where the hell are they at? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're doing movies. You know that, that that's that's where the Power Twins are. Those two ponies, I slap one and I slap the other. I slap one, I don't know one from another. Where's that dirty? Where's that dirty ass bugger? Yeah. guy. Can I say that on the air? You just did. There you go. <laughs> I just did. It's too late. That's it. Just tell us how you really feel, John. That's it, right? <laughs> oh man, I miss you guys. I, I mean. NWC was high quality, high quality. All the boys were treated really well. We loved each other. Bobby Bradley, the Navajo kid. I love those guys. Wayne, Billy Anderson, Jesse Hernandez. Everybody loved everybody. Man, I, I miss those guys so much. I love them with all my heart. And, we and, I, and, and you know, Sabu's listening, man. I know you've been through some hard times. 
my heart's with you, man, and I, and I send my best to Sabu. Yeah, you know, again, Sabu's scheduled to, to join us here today, but he's still, you know, recovering from some things, as we know. Uh, Rob Van yeah. Dam uh, will be joining us here in a couple minutes, so uh, we may ask you to, to hang with us, uh, Johnny, as well, too, when Rob gets here as well, too, because I know he would love to, to share some stuff as well, too. But, uh, you know, Johnny Psychopane is a guy who became a fan favorite. This is a guy that sent, yeah. me, sent me tapes like everybody else, and I saw you mentioned Buzz Sawyer, and I knew that, that yeah. Buzz had trained you and everything. And I said, yeah. this this guy's got some talent. He's got. And actually, yeah. we tweaked. I we tweaked to uh, you know yeah. your your gimmick a little bit, and, and and it worked. People loving people still to this day taught me about what was that that Johnny Psycho Pain was was frobbing with the mouth. <laughs> what was that? And again, it was. It, it, and you did it perfectly, and I'm glad you both said that about being part of the team and having yeah. the veteran guys, you know, just be there for the younger guys. Mm-hmm. And it was. And once we got into, say, I would probably say six months into the promotion, you mm-hmm. could not tell that there uh, was anything. You you would think a Johnny Psycho Payne had been working for four or five years, no different yeah. than Honky Tonk Man, Greg the Hammer Valentine, yeah. or anybody else. Yeah, and, Greg. And you mentioned the Thug. Thug was just like yeah. you, a guy that that we developed, you know, uh, as well too, with a lot of those guys. Rob Van Dam <laughs> is it was a guy yes. that that Sabu brought in and said, "Hey, yeah. I think this guy will uh, uh, this would be great. He's he's an up and comer as well too." So yeah. yeah, and to get the compliments that we still get, and then you mentioned yeah. the matches, Al. Seriously, a week does not go by, and I know that I got a tweet yesterday again that said. Uh, is that true that uh, you know what I saw that what you did with Virgil and Jim the Anvil, Nightheart and the Thug, you know, with <laughs> with, with with the KKK match? Yeah, the, we were a little ahead of our time. The Desert Death match with Sabu and Cactus Jack. Yes, yeah. was there a pile driver on top of the blackjack table? Yeah. Yes, there was. All of that was yeah. there, and what people don't realize that all of that had to be sanctioned by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Mm-hmm. It was no different than holding a boxing match mm-hmm. at those point in times. And yes, we uh, we almost incurred some fines, but yes, it was cutting edge, and that's what made it special. I remember sitting on my couch. TC Doc Martin calls me and says, "Johnny, Johnny, we like you. We're going to push you. You're a badass. You're a bad guy." Uh, well, we're going to change your name from Pitbull to Psycho. And I was such a hard ass. I was such, oh, it's got to be my one. I, I, something about TC. He had a good leadership skill. You know, he sold me on it. And he was right. He was right. And I said, okay, let's give it a try. You know, he, TC was giving me this, oh, we got Junkyard. God bless him, Junkyard dog. We can't have two dogs in the pen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, 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 and I took it. I know you were selling me on it, and, and it worked. And then you said, go on, be a bag. And then I remember you called me about a few shows later. Go, Johnny, the crowd loves you. You still do what you're doing, but you're a good guy. I got it, man. Johnny, you, you, were, you were an awesome heel. Johnny, you were an awesome heel. There was a section. We called it Section 8. There was a guy. Guys that came to the matches, there was like 10 or 12 of them. The head yeah, of the, the, right. the, the the leader of the crew, his name was Curtis. I'll never forget this guy as long as I live. They used to they used to sit by the heel door, on the, <laughs> right? And they would just go wild. I'm sitting at the I'm sitting at ringside and I'm looking back and I'm watching these guys go crazy. Every time you came into the ring and slid in, come running in, sliding, and you're slobbering, and you got everything flying all over the place. But but you had a great heel look, John. You really yeah. did. You were built. Man, I mean, you still you were, got it. Your voice, you still got it. You sound like we did 
what was it, 20, 30, how many years 25 ago? 25 years like ago, man. Yeah. Because I, so, I, I, I was so into it, I was so excited just, yeah. to, just to be it, just to be a part of it. Yeah. And, and I could feel it. I could feel you. You brought in energy. You know, Doc, TC, you were right, man. I, I watch him sometimes. I mark out over myself a little bit. <laughs> so I just sent TC a little clip. After 20 years, baby, I may not bench 600 pounds anymore. I may not weigh 280, but you take a look at that little clip I sent TC, 27 seconds long. Put it on anything you want. I still got it, baby. You still got it. Not only has Johnny got it, okay, again, in the ring, outstanding, but the interviews as well. We're going to play a classic <laughs> clip from Johnny Psychopane. One question I wanted to ask you before you play the, okay. play the clip. Did the did the experienced guys ever help you doing promos, John? I wanted I always wanted I always I always wanted to ask the young guys that question. Junkyard dog gave me a second level of confidence. Some of the young guys and I loved them. We're messing up. And TC was getting mad. He said, hey, this is costing me money. And Junkyard Dog goes, give him one take, Johnny. And, uh, you know, that was meant, you know, and TC, yeah, oh, Johnny, get up here, one well, take. And I, and I was like, okay, dog's, yeah. dog's putting me over. He's yeah. putting me out there. And you know, it was early in the, in the, in the promos. I was like, okay, let's roll. And, uh, and the warrior, the ultimate warrior, pulled me aside and said, hey, Johnny, you know, with your with your craziness, with your psycho, you could just go out and just be yourself. And if you fall, if you if you stumble on a word, it don't matter. You're crazy. I said, no, warrior. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what. Of all the of all the promos we did, the one you did one with Billy Anderson. Yeah. Where, where you said, oh, I put you out of wrestling and all, I broke your neck. <laughs> and I did. Johnny, it was one of the best promos I've ever seen in my life. Thank you. That means a lot. Let's give that a little taste here. Right out of the okay. medical institution. They've been examining my mind. They say, Johnny Payne, do you really want to go back out there with all that chaos, all the riots, all the violence, and all the fights out there? Johnny Payne said, yeah, man, I love it. So Dr. TC brought the NWC and the bankroll down. He paid the fines, and now I'm here. The only man to ever win back-to-back state titles. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Freestyle, Greco-Roman, and the Golden Gloves. Not even the Iron Sheet can top what I can do. <laughs> yeah. Tell him, Billy Anderson. Tell him how bad I am. Tell him how bad your neck hurts. I'll tell him how bad you are. You bit an amateur wrestler's ear off during the tournament. What kind of man is that? That was the only match I ever lost, and that was by disqualification. But it tasted damn good. <laughs> Anderson, tell him, warn him, warn Mr. Hugh Sabu. I don't care, honky tonk man. Virgil, you want to fight? Let's go. Johnny, psycho, pain, and I believe that was a one-take cut right there. That is that totally awesome. Cut. Always a one-take cut. You always loved it, TC. One-take, and then we'd rub it into the guys who were screwing up. Even though we loved them, who would mess up on a promo or something. And uh, Oh, Hughes, yeah, I remember Hughes. I liked him. Yeah, Mr. Hughes yeah. absolutely called him out. And uh, when, when Rob jumps in with us, I, I want to come back to this part of the conversation, too, about the promos in the interviews. Because as, as we know, Rob was standing in the corner and going like, hey, uh, you know, you, I'll go last. I'll go last. And that sort of thing. And then, of course, with Sabu, you know, Sabu says, well, you know, my character doesn't talk. Yeah. And I said, don't. I've said, but we need you on camera. We, you know, yeah. you're our champion. You, we need you on camera. Yeah. And he goes, okay. So we worked that out where he would just point to the sky and then he yeah. would, yeah, yeah, great stuff. And I that, remember well, that he threw the uh, threw the ladder down. It was 
Right. One take. I said I'm out. They did that for you. Right. For the NWC for the team. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. And and Al's got the story, I guess, uh, of Sabu doing uh, the interview. The right. First time we were the first time we were over at Century Studios. We weren't inside the Nugget. Right. It was it was a Friday yeah. instead of Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I'm holding an in, I'm holding a microphone. And I'm trying to talk to Sabu. And he's just pointing up to the ceiling, staring, pointing mm-hmm. at the ceiling, stares at me, and I run off a couple guys' names, you know. Oh, Jim Neidhart's here. And then I said the magic like two him. words. I said the magic two words, Terry Funk. <laughs> he yeah. knocks the microphone out of my hand, grabs me by the neck, mm-hmm. and pushes me out of the shot into a ladder, yeah. and I went flying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember us driving over there in Sabu, man. All he'd been through. All the pressure put on him, all the greatness that he did, he'd still get nervous for an interview. Yeah. He did yeah. not like to talk. Did, I mean, that guy's been, I mean, talk about prime time. Talk about pressure. Talk about performing. Talk about competing. Shabu was so special. But he'd get nervous on an interview. <laughs> it's true. And, the, and, and the, James Iano, remember the Volcano oh, Kid? He oh, drove down there. God yeah. bless him. Yep. He come down there. Cincinnati Red. I remember him down there. Yes. God bless him. Yes. And you know some of the, come down there. I remember yes. them. And you know, Johnny, some of the craziest matches in the history of, of the great sport of wrestling, TC developed. I mean, who would ever think about – you think Vince would – I'll drive somebody on a blackjack table with, <laughs> and, and have it go into the crowd with no barricades. And then, yeah. and then, and then when, when the commission says we've got to, we got to save ourselves from lawsuits more than anything else, yeah. get it into, get it into the cage. So what does T do? Let's do, let's throw stuff in the cage so the guys can just beat each other up some more. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Hey, TC and the NWC, all of us, we were so over in Vegas with our local uh, fans when I walked into um, uh, uh, whatever that Halloween Havoc, whatever that WCW one where they had to sit in the front row, when I walked in, a whole side of the audience stood up and applauded. Right. And, and I, I could recognize them all. Oh, I mean, that was really that was really cool. And they were all NWC people. They all started chanting. and we definitely, That was cool. We, we definitely did. We definitely did have our fan base, didn't we, John? Yeah, yeah. And I love those people, man. You know, those were hard-working True wrestling fans that loved it, that knew us, and man, I loved hanging with them after, before, you know, because I was psycho all the time anyway, so it didn't expose yeah, yeah. nothing. So right. I loved yeah. being with them. Great, great memories. All right, we will continue more of this. RVD is going to join us. We're going to talk about some of the the great moments and some of the most memorable matches. You guys touched on it about you know the innovativeness and that sort of thing. I want to pick your brain about what you thought was some of the greatest moments that that we did during our run here. Johnny Psycho Payne is joining us, the former heel slash babyface. Uh, he, he's joining us. <laughs> That's it. Baby face. Exactly. And Big Al Lorenz, the guru of professional wrestling, as I used to introduce him. And RVD join us here today as we continue on TC Martin Show here on a Wild Wrestling Wednesday. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me big. TC Martin. Of course, you are a character. Doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. <laughs> You can hear Rob Van Dam say, I'm here for you, Bobby. Try to get the crowd up. The crowd is up. They're on their feet. They can't believe what they're seeing here in this tag team tournament. And now the Barbarian going outside the rope. He's going to the top rope. This could be it. Bobby Bradley could be a sitting duck. The Barbarian just waiting and waiting. And here he 
brings back memories. It's like, it's like like I said before. It's like it just happened yesterday, T. And this guy sitting right next to me right now, my old man. Yeah, there it is. So good to see him. Rob Van Dam in the house. We got Johnny Psycho Payne joined us via the phone. Big Al Lorenz, a little NWC uh, reunion. And uh, when was the last time you heard people call you Robbie V? It's been a long time, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, since you asked me, like certain people have certain nicknames for me, so I I think of certain people that always refer to me by that, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's been a minute. I got one guy that'll probably always call me Robbie V till I, yeah. till, uh, whatever. Good deal, man. <laughs> I know we've relived a lot of that kind of stuff with you uh, in the past because you come and do visit uh, with us uh, regularly. But, you know, we still get requests and, and, and people, you know, talk about the NWC days and Big Al in town. Uh, we thought, okay, we'd, uh, we'd reminisce a little bit more. Appreciate you being here, my friend, dude, as always. And, dude, uh, dude, just, dude I, I appreciate you putting me in the ring with the Barbarian and Warlord. Like, like seriously, that's, I still remember what that was like, you know, like every chance that I got to feel like I was moving up and moving ahead. And it took yeah. promoters like you that saw whatever in me to put us together in order for me to learn. Yeah. So thank you for that. Outstanding. And we, a lot of the times, guys will look at that and they'll say, okay, we're two smaller guys. We're going against these bigger guys. How is that match going to, to look? How's it going to unfold? You heard the crowd. You lived it firsthand. And it, it, it came across great. I don't know, how was that for, for you and Bobby going against guys like that and working with guys that have been in the business for such a long time? Um, well, you know, a little bit intimidating, you know what I mean? Because we knew that uh, anything they didn't feel like doing, they just weren't going to do. Okay? So wasn't sure exactly how much give and take there was going to be. But, um, you know, what's funny is, is like, I, I guess this is normal, but it's easier for me to remember um, some, some failures than some accomplishments sometimes. And about that match, this is from... From seeing it, what I remember about it the most, 
Besides the fact that we won, won the right. tag team belts, that right. was great. Yeah. But besides that, uh, the next thing I remember is that I did a, uh, a cross body off the top rope with my back to the ring. You know, so blind, boom, went back, arched, did a cross body like nobody was anywhere around. <laughs> I just, I just ate shit. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> no, but I remember that. You yeah. know, like where, who was I aiming for? Al, it was always fun calling those matches, but especially a tag team match like that because we put Bobby and, and, and Rob together because of their style and everything. And again, it, it, it was unique. With Rob, when Sabu introduced us, it was like, okay, this guy. And I was just mesmerized by your work ethic and your athletic ability. And it was like, okay, I want to use these guys in singles, but... Man, they would be a great tag team. And I know you weren't used to that in the beginning, but just from that aspect and then calling the matches when they would be in the ring, it was just always exciting. Well, every time that Robbie and, and Bobby would come to the ring, the electricity in the in the room just picked up like we wanna be we wanna be behind these guys. We wanna be a part of aerial fun. assault. Right. That and was so much fun. No matter who it was, it was the young kids, it was the old women, it didn't matter. Yeah. And Bobby was extreme. We were always trying to outdo ourselves, you know. And, and a lot of the times, the, the, the who you matched them up with was was even even showcased their talent even more. Mm-hmm. I remember the, I remember the day you brought the the, the, the Mexican yeah the, Prince of a Hindu uh, and uh, Superboy. Sure. What a match! Fantastic, yeah. back yeah. and forth, in yeah. and out, up and yeah. down, yeah. high flying all over the place. Mm. It was absolutely awesome mm. and, and and that makes makes it so much easier to call yeah i mean it's because the action is just so was it tough communicating with with those guys at all language barrier or not or was it is it just hey at that point in time it's just wrestling it takes over it's universal sometimes i'm meeting my opponent in the ring and i haven't even talked right. to them or met them and they don't speak the same language you know that right. happened in japan a lot mm-hmm. yeah um but you know that even happened uh in uswa in uh in 90, when I was there, uh, my, my first match in USWA, I wrestled Chris Candido, a house show in Nashville. And uh, we didn't, you know, the dressing rooms were on opposite sides, didn't talk at all. And and the older guys actually thought they were ribbing us. I had um, uh, a dirty white boy, Tony Anthony, uh-huh. so many times afterwards tell me about the first night that they were ribbing us, telling us to go uh, 20-minute time limit. And they thought that we were going to stink the place up. And he said that we were all, uh, that the curtains were sold out. All the boys were watching, right. like, oh my God, these guys. Because, you know, we, and I don't know how much I knew about psychology, but I know I was trying to get everything in, you know. Mm-hmm. I might jump up the top rope, bounce mm-hmm. off my legs, do a backflip, and the crowd loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Same uh, here in Vegas. And Bill Dundee says, uh, "Yeah, I used to do all those uh, same moves, uh, you know, when I was when I was your age." And then <laughs> Danny Davis comes behind him. He never did any of that stuff. <laughs> Johnny Psychopain is with us. Johnny, oh. you're listening to RVD and us here, man. Chime in. <laughs> Robbie, it's been a long time. How you doing, Robbie? I'm doing excellent, dude. Oh man. <laughs> I remember that match with you and the Powers of Pain. You guys were so respectful, so quiet in the back. When it came time to go out there and light it up, it was real, and the fans accepted you and Bobby big time. I like Bobby Bradley. He was a tough kid. You guys lit it up. Thanks, dude. That was a tournament, right? So we also had the... uh, 
Exactly. The, the twins, the power twins right. before that. So we were talking uh, before the break, before you got here, uh, and we, pay, we played a clip of Johnny Psycho Payne doing the interviews, and we had talked about uh, all that. And then we talked about you, how you were kind of reluctant to do the interviews in the beginning, and you and Johnny were kind of the same. Johnny was new to the promotion, and we, you know, got him and, and we're building him up. You came in, not not a whole, you know, bunch of experience doing the interviews, Shy. but yeah, wh- yeah. Johnny like got it, but what was it with with you that that made you so a little apprehensive about getting in front of the microphone, and what actually cured it for you? Well, it was the fact that um, I wasn't confident. You know, I was. Sh- shy by nature anyway and then i got a room full of wrestlers all watching me judging me on something that i really don't feel comfortable or don't know anything about you know so uh i i you know here i'm 20 something year old and i and and you're told that your job is to sell tickets through this through this interview you want people to be interested you got to believe in yourself and and then you're given like lines you know like here tell them come out to the the whatever to the silver nugget you know next saturday and and then it's like wow i gotta deliver that in a way that uh, i'm not gonna totally embarrass myself you know uh and you know i was still that way in 96 when i started with at ECW. I think we were in 95, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we were like 90, 94 through 98. So, yeah, okay. during, that, during that time, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, I was, you know, Paul right. eventually uh, cleared the room for me. Because he was like, hey, why don't you just come by? You know, you don't even have to do anything. Just watch what we do when we do the promos. Right. I was like, oh, okay, sure. No way I was going anywhere near. I'll see you tonight, but I wouldn't. And then eventually, you know, he was like, what if everyone else isn't, you know, around staring at you and yeah. stuff? And and then, you know, obviously I started having fun with it yeah. the, the more my and, character was And I know that you learned a lot from watching the guys like Cactus and Terry Funk and Honky Tonk and watching these guys do you know the interviews. I know where you would say like, "Okay, well, I'll go later or whatever." And uh, and then when we put you and Bobby together, but I remember Al remembers the story, right? The very first time that they did an interview together, don't you? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Rob, you were you were just like docile and saying, "Okay, yeah, well, you know, we got this and we got that and we've got the suicide bomber." But I'm going to let Bobby talk to you. I'll tell you all about it. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then Bobby, and then Bobby with with his more open personality, right. he just kind of went right went into rage with. And yeah. Billy, Perfect. Billy was a good guy to have the microphone in front of you yeah because he knew how to answer ask the right questions because he had been on both sides you know yeah both as as a wrestler and as, a, as an interview and then yeah so he he, did, he did really i remember that the interview. first time but then after that you, you were fine and no you, no no you guys, it's not, you guys were it's going, not yeah. that it was it's not that it was a bad interview right. it's but you know, just not what you normally the see. The uncomfortability. No, factor, you see yeah. the yeah. you see the comfort. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of fans, you know, just from being fans, they practice doing the interviews, and right. and, and and wrestlers by the time yeah. they transition from being a fan to a wrestler, that's one of the things they're the best at. They may not even be that good in the. We all know a lot of wrestlers that can't wrestle a lick, but they can cut a great promo. And I was I've never been that guy. I always think, well, that guy's crazy. Like he totally <laughs> believes what he's saying. Like he really thinks he's the best and he's the opposite so you know i just that's the way i came yeah. obviously with sabu and chic training yeah. me they weren't putting a lot into the interviews right oh, yeah sure. exactly sure. all right one more time with johnny psycho pain on the interview right out of the medical institution they've been examining my mind they say johnny pain do you really want to go back out there with all that chaos 
all the riots, all the violence, and all the fights out there. Johnny Page said, yeah, man, I love it. So Dr. TC brought the NWC and the bankroll down. He paid the fines, and now I'm here. The only man to ever win back-to-back -back state titles. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Freestyle, Greco-Roman, and the Golden Gloves. Not even the Iron Sheet can top what I can do. <laughs> yeah. Tell him, Billy Anderson. Tell him how bad I am. Tell him how bad your neck hurts. I'll tell him how bad you are. You bit an amateur wrestler's ear off during the tournament. What kind of man is that? That was the only match I ever lost, and that was by disqualification. But it tasted damn good. <laughs> Anderson! Tell him! Warn him! Warn Mr. Hugh Sabu! I don't care, Honky Tonk Man! Virgil, you want to fight? Let's go! How, how rehearsed was that? We're talking about, like, like with Rob, with you going back in the day. That was amazing. It was. It was. Dude, that, he's speaking with conviction. And, and now, the, now I'll add to your, uh, to your question earlier about, uh, you know, what it was for me. I didn't have anything to say. Hmm. Obviously, he had a lot to say, believe in himself, <laughs> and he wanted to spit it out. I had nothing to say. So I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, uh, Saturday. Right. <laughs> let, me ask you guys, let me ask you guys a quick question. Johnny and, and Rob together. Um, did the older guys or the more experienced guys kind of get you to know what a minute or a minute and a half was? Because you, you could talk an awful lot in a minute and a half, hmm. but to be able to – Put the whole package together and paint the picture for the next show and and for the TV people. Did did any of the older guys ever reach out to you and say, "Hey, do this, do that"? And and I'm sure you guys were watching when when the experienced guys were were doing their thing. Johnny Payne, would you like to answer that while you're sitting there in your underwear listening? Once we got, once I got your gimmick, your interviews were awesome. Your charisma in the ring. I mean, then why did you look from a guy who knew you when you were 23 years old before you got on TV? I was so proud of you to see you grow. I mean, man, your charisma grew in the ring. It was awesome, man. Thanks. And I was just proud to watch you over the years. When I was getting trained to interview Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer, you didn't screw up. If you messed up, he hit you, and he hit you when he gave you a 30 seconds, a minute. So when TC said do a 30 seconds in a minute, I was ready to go. Hey, I was going to compare to Robbie Van Dam in the ring, but uh, I had to have something. <laughs> uh, hey, Robbie, some of that interview, if not all of it, it was kind of a shoot. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah. You got to believe it. I mean, that's what conviction, uh, that's where it comes from. Yeah. You got to. Yeah, if you're not really, if you can't at least pick a part of you that believes what you're saying, then it's way harder. Mm -hmm. And that's what you got to learn how to right. do. The action when we were calling it made you get excited. You didn't have to force yourself. It was yeah. there because because it was so. The continuity was good and the matches were good and you wrote everything. You know, you just wrote it all the way to the finish line. It was fantastic. Do you feel, um, El, that that now, like if you're watching wrestling and they're still doing, you know, hey, a moonsault from the top rope to the floor. Um, Robbie and Bobby did that, you know, back in 95. You know what? You know what? I just wish we had one one-thousandth of Vince's budget because we'd still be in business and maybe Vince would be out of business. That's how, th that's how I thought talent-laden we were. Everybody wanted to come to Vegas. You know that as, yeah. as well as I do. Hey. T knows it because he's got the stack of stuff and we used to sit down in the nugget and go through tapes and resumes and this guy, that guy, this yeah. guy. And he would bring a guy in. Very, very seldom 
would he not use them again because they were just not for the promotion. And that was the greatest thing about the NWC because from the top of the guys, the top guys like Sabu and yourself and Terry, when they come out to the lowest guys, you know, Wayne, whoever it was, everybody was together. They were all for the promotion, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. Drop the phone. <laughs> and, and, and with that segue, um, you know, we were hoping that Sabu was going to uh, join us today. And we understand, you know, he's been going through a lot of rough stuff. So, you know, shout out to him. And uh, I miss that guy dearly. He is a guy that obviously introduced you, Rob, to me. And he was a big advocate, you know, for you. And I understand, you know, where that relationship uh, started. But talk about a guy that was for the promotion. And I remember... You know, once we first started, and I would be looking at like you know all these clips, or I'd be looking at the old wrestling magazines where they would you know have top ten lists and all that kind of stuff. And I noticed that okay, this guy Sabu. I said, wow, you know, and he wasn't a West Coast guy. No one really knew him at all. It was really kind of you know before the whole ECW thing and everything. Just something about that guy, and I wanted to bring him out here. And once I brought him out here, like so many of the other guys, they said, hey, I want to keep coming back. There'd be a time, and you know, I don't think he'd mind me, me saying but you know he would just say hey I'll, I'll come out and work for you and he would like sometimes you don't even have to pay me and i go no that's not gonna happen man or i'll fly myself in it's like no man i respect you too much i respect all these guys too much johnny you told the story earlier about you know you yeah. drove up from san francisco you'd make like the eight hour drive and then after johnny proved himself i said nope you you've earned yourself a, a plane flight buddy i mean I'm, I'm flying you in because i mean that's the way that i wanted to treat everybody and i think that's speaks volumes about, yes, we're in Vegas and everything, but we were still an unknown commodity in, like, say, 1994. But then getting you guys to buy into it, and, you know, for me, I wanted to treat you guys the right way because you guys gave it all back in the ring. And Sabu, Rob, you guys, and Rob was living in Atlanta at that point in time. I mean, it was like drop of the dime. It's like, hey, we're, we're planning the show, this and that, boom, boom, boom. We want to do this run, this angle. And, and you guys made sure that you were out here. And I just can't thank you guys enough for that. But Sabu was a huge part of that. Yeah, there was just nothing but good memories from that, man. We had so much fun. So much fun, and you know, of course, being on TV. Uh, I, when I think about the TV show, I, I still hear the song in my head, right? right. <laughs> the opening thing, right? And uh, we love the budget hoe, yeah, the, yeah the, 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 the low budget hoe, the old uh, hotel motel holiday, and there you go, man. Zuma, yeah, you know, when Zuma, Sabu came out, yeah. we were marks for him. Everybody I remember in the back, we were at the Aladdin, and all the guys who hadn't met Sabu, everybody. Uh, all the boys in the business, they were like, when's Sabu coming? Where's Sabu? And the Iron yeah. Sheik went out to make sure he watched Sabu, and he was blowing all their minds. There was a lot of respect there, a lot of anticipation. Guys in the business were marking out for him, and, uh, man, he was earning it. And, Sabu is special. And to kind of just you know wrap it up and put a bow on it, you know, and you guys have kind of touched on it, but for me to be able to incorporate – like, say, the older guys, the veteran guys, the old school guys that had totally different styles, like the Iron Sheik, you know, and then see guys like Terry Funk, you know, to come in and adapt his skills to go hardcore in Virgil. I mean, you know, yeah. Virgil never was hardcore, but he says, I want a piece of this. Yeah. You know, Honky Tonk Man, Honky, Jim, Jim Nightville, Virgil. Well, right, 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 yeah. Exactly, right? Yeah. The, to, to those guys, to bring them in yeah. and where everybody just kind of complimented each other. 
to the young guys, like I said, like Johnny Psychopane, and and you know, to me that was it because you could we could have a card of eight to ten matches, and you were gonna get a little bit of everything, but. You know, there were no sleepers on that card. You know what I mean? I mean, it, whether it was, you know, Georgie Animal Steel, there was another guy that you yeah. brought out. And it was like, but it just, it was as electric as Junkyard Dog, Georgie Animal yeah. Steel, Iron Sheik, Honky Tonk Man, Ultimate Warrior, you know, we gotta bring, Robin Sabu. We got to bring Johnny. him back. Yeah. We <laughs> you want to, you know, I, 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 I'm again. in your corner, Rob. I, I, I'd, I'd love to. Love to get everybody together just to, you know. I mean, How many of the guys could actually work right now? That, 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 that's my question. Two, two of us. That's I, it, right? I, 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 and, 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 one of them, and one of them was sitting right, right. next to me. And the other one's uh, on the phone right here. There you go. I just worked two months ago. Came back after 20 years. And you know Robbie Van Dam could. There's no question. Johnny, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. We'll hey. definitely do this again, man. Great stuff. Good talking it, to you, yeah. and, uh, and continue, Thank you. Continue. Keep on keeping on, brother. All right. Thank you. Any time for you guys. Robbie, it was good to hear from you. So proud of all you've done. And Sabu is, you know, thoughts to him, man. I'm thinking about you. All right. Appreciate you, Johnny. Right, Bring him next time. Take there, care. There you go. Appreciate it. All right. Thank Johnny you. Psycho Payne, one of the stalwarts of our promotion back in the day, the NWC. The WWE Hall of Famer, Rob Van Dam. Yes, As always, brother, a quick plug. What's happening with you? Where are you going? Tomorrow I'm doing a uh, Rob Van Dam dispensary tour on a trolley. Uh, if you look at my Instagram, I just put it up on my story. Okay. It's got this thing to scan or whatever. You're invited, Big L. You're invited to everyone. Perfect. It, it's a uh, yeah, it's high noon tour. They're calling it. So, uh, <laughs> it's for the bucket list for people that have that. Yeah. Kind of, but yeah, everything's going good, dude. Since I've been here, I got married. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Doing great. Uh, new RVD action figure. New RVD mini. Mini, whatever you call those little things, I can't remember. Um, but micro brawler, yeah, <laughs> that's how we're measuring. Uh, still staying out there. Headstrong is on uh, yep. airs on reels now, you know. Okay, um, his lot- documentary, yeah, yes, Headstrong, lot- good stuff, lots of good stuff. All right, brother, always appreciate you uh, coming by and joining us, man. I really appreciate always. it. There it is, big out, great seeing you again, man. Uh, T, it's, uh, it's great to be back in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. great to be in the studio with you as always, my mm-hmm. tag team partner, and that's Rob. It's always always great to see you, brother. Well, always. All right. All right. Appreciate everyone for joining us uh, today. RVD, Johnny Cycle Payne, Big Al Lorenz, Big Bill Cartwright, Paul Buck Power Stewart. Uh, shout out to Sabu and everybody else out there. I uh, appreciate you. Uh, Reload all the memories. There it is. Pop it up.